J&J Radio. I'm your host, along with my top-of-the-line co-host, Jason Gibbons. I'm Jonathan Harper. J&J Radio, another podcast for your, your listening pleasure. Today, we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson, the Padres trade, the Rams Super Bowl quarterback, hurt his elbow, as well as Brittany Griner. Jason, let's start off with Brittany Griner. She's a WNBA superstar. Well, first off, how you doing, brother? How you feeling tonight? Doing fantastic. All right, so Brittany Griner, for some of you guys who might not know, she is a WNBA center slash forward. She's a superstar in the sport. Uh, she went to Baylor. She plays – so the WNBA works like this. A lot of players work here in the States in the form of playing, you know, during the WNBA season. And then in the off season, they play overseas because, unfortunately – a lot of places overseas value women's basketball more than we do here in the States because they get paid really well. So Brittany Griner, like a lot of other WNBA players, play overseas in the offseason to make money. So she's been playing in Russia for years. So recently she got arrested for having uh, hash oil, which has basically been explained to us as a, a weed pen. She got popped for having a weed pen. So... Here's kind of like the, the timeline of events for you guys. So in February, she was detained uh, in Russia in an airport. And there's a video of her being detained. And this was right when Russia was about to go to war with the Ukraine. So tensions were high, right? So then July 1st trial begins. Uh, she got charged with bringing hash oil into Russia. July 7th, she pleaded guilty to the charges, saying she did it inadvertently. And then on July 27th, the U.S. offers to deal uh, to to make a basically make a trade in terms of if we're talking sports, the U.S. tried to make a trade with Brittany Griner. So they're 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 trying to exchange a Russian arms dealer in exchange for Brittany Griner and another American prisoner in Russia. Now, that Russian arms dealer is currently doing 25 years here in an American prison. And like we said, Brittany Griner got sentenced to uh, nine years. So here's the thing. A lot of people are getting enamored at the fact that, you know, Joe Biden hasn't gone over there guns blazing, saying like, how can you have this happen? Like Kamala Harris, you're a black woman. How can you let this happen to Brittany Griner? She's a black woman, blah, 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 blah. I heard some rappers talking about that on Instagram and uh, Twitter today. <laughs> And I even heard somebody say this. I don't want to say what, his what name, they say. No. What did they say? Blah 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 blah. So I don't want to give him. His, I don't want to give him his fair due because what he said was inaccurate. But I'm just going to say a rapper. He said uh, he was like Kamala Harris. You need to go over there and uh, get Britney Griner back. And he was like, if she was Taylor Swift, we'd be at war, and the government would be already over there. Yes, you are correct. If a white pop star who is filthy rich got put in jail for taking a marijuana pen in Russia. Yes, I do believe she would be home already. But hey, this is America. Brittany Griner is not a rich white woman who is a pop star all over the charts. So understand that yes, this is different. America does and has been bending over backwards to save white women from the beginning of time. That's not new to us. So the moment you act surprised at that is when you've lost. So let's stick to the information. We need to figure out how to get Brittany Griner home. ESPN brought about, they, they explained it this afternoon. They said right now, her and her team were expecting to, to get 
pop with nine years. So they weren't shocked at the guilty verdict. But now the next thing is we have to figure out how to get her home. So we just have to hope that our U.S. government can come to an agreement with the Russian government at the Kremlin and figure out a way to make a trade for Brittany Griner. Because if you think something isn't fair, that's when you've already lost. Boys and girls, life is not fair. Fair is where they judge pigs and they serve funnel cakes. Go ahead, you know, yes. So, and part of this process, as you alluded to, right, is people, this is what people expected. Um, people have, have uh, deemed her, and, and, and the, the U.S. government has deemed her uh, wrongfully detained in Russia. And the Russian government uh, disputes that claim, saying that she illegally transported narcotics into right. their country. She country. broke their law, so she got, no, she she got she arrested. Actually, she did actually break the law. It wasn't it wasn't a trumped-up charge. The, the question is, does the penalty fit the scenario, right? But and, and as part of this whole, I will exchange one of my, my prisoners for your prisoners, she actually has to be in a certain category, right, of prisoner. And I think that what happens is, um, and we can double fact-check this, but um, because she hadn't actually been tried at this point, right? She wasn't really a prisoner, right? There was this idea that she could go on trial and defend herself and be deemed innocent, and then be on her way Come home. On home, right? Right. And so now that the trial is complete, uh, that can help both sides get to the next negotiations. Step. Yeah, to the next right. step of a prisoner exchange because they weren't going to do a prisoner exchange exchange while the trial was going on. That's just not how these things work because they want to set a precedence. They want to show the world. This is what happens when you do things in our country that we don't like. And they also want to set a precedence for their own Russian citizens. Like, Hey, if you break the law, you know, these things are going to happen. Mind you, it may not be fair, but that's how they operate. And again, this is not American soil. So to think that doing something here is going to be the same in Russia that's just completely inaccurate. Hell, taking weed into a uh, store in California is not the same as taking weed into a store in Texas or Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, our- NBA players. Yeah, an NBA player uh, was arrested this week for taking weed into Texas. Right. It just isn't, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So doing it internationally, right? Um, in a place where you and she's been working there, right? She knows the rules exactly. Um, and, and I'll and, do you one. I'll do you one better. Yes, it's not fair, but just think about this. You know, people are saying that Brittany Griner is being mistreated. Think about if Brittany Griner wasn't 6'8", a WNBA superstar, and she hadn't, she didn't have the entire WNBA behind her, keeping this in the news cycle for the entire trial with a camera in the courtroom. Think about if her name was Letitia and she grew up in Compton or some little Mexican girl from San Pedro. We might not even know she's in prison. There would be no no camera in the courtroom every day of the trial. People, uh, you know, the NBA and the WNBA uh, politicking for her to come home. So the fact that she is a notable a notable person is almost playing, in my opinion, it's playing to help her defense because it's a national news story versus who knows how many people are in jail wrongfully accused around the world that we never hear about. Yeah, and I, I, uh, we don't really get into a lot of the detail on uh, the political issues. That's not where we specialize. But I will also say there's another component. When you talk about prisoner exchange, um, you know, it's not like you see in the movies, right? Where James Bond's on one side of the bridge and 
Right, it's know, not Joe meeting with, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, Putin and Joe are not meeting up at like Starbucks. Yeah, with, yeah, stepping up the- in a helicopter. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. but, um, but this idea, this notion here that we um, trade a prisoner, I think um, we can say this without um, making a value on Brittany Griner's life or her right. person, Absolutely. is that the United States has to weigh the value of returning a citizen home, right, or multiple citizens home, Absolutely. and the good of keeping a known convicted arms, arms dealer, dealer who's serving 25 years in prison. Right. That, you know, that th- there's a societal benefit, right, to keeping the arms dealer in custody is the reason why he's in jail to begin right. with. And would you give that up for Brittany Griner, who also broke a law in the country she was in? Right. That right. is not such an easy uh, you know, it's we're not, not playing swap. exactly. You know, this is not baseball cards, right? And right. I'll give you this guy for that guy. You really have to consider um, the implications of that and why the, the Russian government, who is an antagonist to the United States, who is currently at war with a United States ally, whom the, ally, the United States is actively contributing to the defense against, right? Russia, which you supply them with this arms dealer, right? right. Who they apparently want. So there, there's some. There's some more to it. It's not just, you know, it's it's not some guy who broke a drug law in the United States getting traded for someone right. who broke a drug law in Russia. This is it's not, a lot not more detail. Thing. Absolutely. It's a lot more variables and, and details to it. And also, I just want to make make this clear. We, Jason and I, clearly believe that Brittany Griner should be home. And we have, I have faith in our government. I'm sure Jason does too, that, that they'll find out a way to get her back safely. But like I said, you have to understand the set of this. I guess you would say the the set of engagements or, you know, everything that's going on to truly understand and truly grasp the story. And like you said, it's not as simple as two people meeting and just swapping. The government has to agree on the terms, our government, along with their government. And sometimes you know how it is when you make an agreement with a person or a group, sometimes uh, negotiations fall through. And you just hope that this negotiation doesn't fall through and you hope that it gets to the finish line and Brittany can come home safely uh, to her wife and maintain, you know, I guess get back to her WNBA career and just get back to basically just freedom at the at the very least here in the States. Right. And and it's not, you know, I just want to remind people, you you should do some research and get the the information here. This is um, if I were Russia in this position. And I'd say, you want these prisoners back? Stop sanctioning our country, right? There's a much higher level of absolutely uh, dynamic so she's between a, the two countries. She's, she's a, become like a political said, prisoner. She's absolutely a political prisoner or pawn on the chessboard, unfortunately, which is very unfortunate. Um, but let's let's switch topics. So Deshaun Watson, who is a new quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, he went to Clemson, played for the Houston Texans for a few years, uh, set out last year. And the season before that, he basically going into the offseason said, I want to be traded. So after he said he wanted to be traded, the proverbial SHIT hit the fan for Deshaun Watson. Because after he said he wanted to be traded, um, he was accused of sexual assault and sexual misconduct for a bu- from a bunch of women. Jay, do you have the number that he's settled, uh, number of cases that he's settled so far? I think he 24 has cases. So he's settled 24 cases of sexual misconduct. And I think there's one case still pending. So the NFL uh, 
handed down, I'm sorry, not the NFL, an independent arbitrator recently handed down a six-game suspension for Watson uh, because the NFL basically decided, between the NFL and the NFLPA, they decided, hey, you know what? We don't like the way things are going in terms of Goodell being the judge, jury, executioner. So they decided that they're going to have these cases brought to an independent arbitrator, which is a third party, to look at both sides and then come to an agreement. Not an agreement, come to a basically a conclusion on a discipline uh, for that person. So this independent arbitrator, which who is a retired federal judge, said that Watson should be suspended for six games. But of course, anything involving sexual misconduct, that's not in the eyes of America for a lot of people, that wasn't enough. So uh, the NFL and Roger Goodell have decided to appeal that decision, which basically says inadvertently, you know, this new process, we don't really like this new process because it didn't go the way we wanted it. So let's bring it back because we have the final say so. And let's have Roger be the judge. And that could be Pandora's box in terms of legal litigations, right, Jay? Yes. So, um, Roger, so the process, the way that the NFL and the NFLPA had negotiated the process, they would hire the independent arbitrator. And this was her very first hearing on a new process. And either side could appeal a decision that is made by the arbitrator. And Roger Goodell, who is... Uh, represents the NFL on all matters, which is why kind of it, it, he's not an impartial uh, participant. Is why exactly. they wanted to have a third party involved. He still then becomes the uh, decision maker in terms of uh, they don't who like the decision. It's a final seat. So <laughs> exactly. um, he has the ability to decide himself, meaning I could disregard the entire process, or uh, he can assign yet another designee of his choosing. Um, so what basically he has chosen to do is replace the independent arbitrator with, an, uh, for lack of a better term, a dependent arbitrator, right? <laughs> the person he picked, uh, who the NFLPA does not have any say-so. And, uh, and he has chosen um, a former New Jersey attorney general, uh, Peter Harvey, to hear the appeal. Um, and, uh, and then uh, their goal is for an indefinite suspension that includes financial penalties outside of uh, game checks, as well as uh, medical evaluation or psychological evaluation and determination that he undergo uh, treatment at some facility, which is very interesting, right? Because that goes a lot deeper than um, punish you for the actions. They're framing this as he has some sort of disorder or condition that needs to be treated, uh, which is not is what has been said, right? Um, the legal system, right? Those women, some of these women, uh, try to file charges against them. And our legal system, right? Grand jury in Texas on two occasions said that there was no compelling evidence here to suggest that he probably committed a crime. So he was, um, deemed in legal terms as innocent, Um, but the NFL doesn't operate on that schedule, right? They have their code of conduct and the code of conduct goes as far as to say, if you make the NFL look bad, we can punish you. Absolutely. Um, it's Optics. obviously not as simple as, yes. It, but it goes down to that level, basically. If you if you tarnish our image um, with your behavior, uh, you make us look uh, bad, then you can be punished for that. Now, this code of conduct says that it governs the behavior of all parties participating in the NFL, including and that's the, where owners, it gets tricky. the owners are held to the highest standard 
um, out of all the people involved. Right. Now, Sue Robinson, she agreed with the NFL. He did exhibit uh, reprehensible behavior, right? That he did tarnish the image of the NFL, that he was a danger to other people. And but he, she, she, she also said, said he was that he dishonest. was dishonest. He right. was dishonest. She said he was dishonest and she did not believe everything he told her. Um, but she did say that he, these are nonviolent allegations. And I, I want to be clear that there were 24, 25 women bringing charges against him, but the NFL even only brought four. They initially brought five and I think that one woman did not participate. And so they only had four cases. So this idea that she disregarded 25 women is also a little bit of a misnomer. Right? right, it's four cases. So she considered these four cases, and decided that yes, in these four cases, he had four instances of the categories of bad behavior that we talked about before. Now, in terms of punishment, she said, right, because she's a judge, and judges have to use precedent and sentencing right. guidelines, right? And so she takes that that mindset, and she said, he has been having really bad behavior, and you guys want to throw the book at him and kick him out of the NFL indefinitely. But historically, going back to 2016, that is not what you have levied against other people uh, when, in terms of the personal conduct policy. Um, it's not the way that you treated owners, right? Robert, we have owners Robert who, Kraft. Robert Kraft, right. who was arrested uh, for soliciting a massage therapist, right, um, during, at, a, at a place as he happened to be there during a raid. And arrested. A whole Arrested. Raid. Actually yeah. uh, arrested. Right. Yeah. Now, you also have owners who have allowed toxic behavior in the workplace and social harassment to go unchecked. The Washington commanders. Right. And they were not penalized uh, for a whole season. And so she said, based on the precedent over the last few years that you guys have set, this looks like it should be a six-game suspension. And she documented that. And she was very clear in the reason why why he was guilty and why the suspension should be six games. So that being said, um, you go to another, um, you go to another arbitrator, and that arbitrator disregards precedent and says, <laughs> "I know that this other federal judge said that this was precedent, but we don't care about precedent. We want to set a new precedent today." Which, by the way, uh, Sue Robinson covered that. She said that you cannot change your guidelines around sentencing, not to use a legal term, without due notice. Meaning, you can't say this is a one game this is a two game this is a no suspension without kind of issue you know ahead of time right yeah exactly without giving enough time for people to to say okay um the cat's out of the bag we can no longer act the way we acted right, right. so um and that's part of the issue right the, the nfl historically has been wildly inconsistent right they've been too low and too high um, <laughs> they were both of those things with ray rice right they were right. too low and then they tried to throw the book at them and the judge said no that's ridiculous it's too high right? right so you're going back and forth um and so the the nfl if they do if this this doesn't go well right they could find themselves in uh in, in a court battle, because the in, NFLPA in might sue the NFL as well as Deshaun Watson's team because they could say it's not fair because look at what Robert Kraft did and what he would his like you said levy of suspension <clears throat> excuse me you can't just since Twitter and Instagram is outraged and other some of the other talking heads on some of the networks that we compete with for ratings just because they're outraged that doesn't mean you have to throw the book at somebody because that's just that's not how it works because if that's the case. Why even have a judicial system? Just bring everything to Twitter. 
and just see what right, they yes. say. Convict everyone in the court of public opinion. Now, um, we're outlining the facts in the case. I, right. I, I also want to be clear that what he's accused of doing um, is bad behavior it's, is horrible. Right. But I understand what the judge said, right? right. Now, uh, understanding what the judge said and agreeing with it, um, two different things, right? I did not think that he was going to get um, only six games. I also didn't get think he was going to get kicked out of the NFL because I knew that the NFLPA would challenge it, sue them, and then they'd have to go to discovery <laughs> with evidence on all these other cases that they're going to cite as precedent. And the NFL will have to defend, you know, like the Roger Goodell case and, and yeah. I'm sorry, the Robert Kraft case and say why Robert Kraft didn't get any penalty for doing exactly what... <laughs> Sean yeah. Watson did going to a massage therapist and soliciting uh, sex or some sort of sexual misconduct. Right. Um, he got zero games. Um, even if you say it's one case versus four cases, he should get a quarter then of what uh, Deshaun Watson getting. So a quarter of one season, right? He should right. still get suspended for four or five games. Uh, right. So, and like you said, to your point, owners are held to higher regards than players. That's by design. Like that's, that's the hierarchy of the NFL. You I mean you're supposed to you're supposed to be above all that, but clearly it wasn't. And like you said, to your point with the Washington Commanders, uh Snyder was so outlandish, he had to they asked him to testify uh with Congress about his misconduct and his worst workplace um behavior and how toxic an environment was. But like you said, he hasn't been really fined or anything hasn't been really levied his way. So all that's gonna be brought into court. So instead of just being upset about this eight games or a six game suspension. And then, you know, six games uh, into the season he plays and then the public's going to be outraged and then it goes away. Now it could turn into something where it's like a whole nother thing where the NFL is in court for who knows how many weeks or months, because this could turn out to be an even more of a, a, a um, backlash and crazy storm. So it, it's very interesting that the NFL was was willing to go down this path because it can get ugly over the next couple of weeks. So add so let's add a little more uh, fuel to the fire here. Um, no one that I can see or have heard of recently is talking about the fact that um, Deshaun Watson is not the only party being sued by the women in this case. They're also <laughs> suing the Houston Texans for their participation in uh his behavior yeah and, and it's a cover-up they're saying that he and they enabled him that he they um he has some non-disclosure agreements that were provided by the texans for handling this they were actually party to supplying contacts to get uh therapists in these situations meaning right like, here's a new therapist for you right with something like 60 therapists over the course of several months <laughs> something right? outlandish uh, yeah yeah so you know again right if we're going to have precedent and we're going to hold, hold the organizations and the owners to a higher standard, the NFL is also going to have to show how they punish the Texans. Um, owner. Yeah, the owner of the organization. Right. Um, and the owner who also lives in the same housing community as the main lawyer who is living all these charges against Deshaun Watson, right? Who, uh, who, and all this happened once Deshaun wanted out of Texas. Uh, yeah. All this, everything hit the fan. So the timing of it, and, and again, we're not here to defend Deshaun, but again, the court system said he's not a criminal. He didn't, quote unquote, commit a crime. And some of this, mind you, he's he's clearly a creep. And I guess you could use the term weirdo to have that many massage therapists and this many charges brought against him. 
But I think it's also uh, the case has almost become like a game of um, not game. It's almost become a situation of like telephone. So you originally tell the story and every time it gets told like three and four people down the line, it comes into something else. Because, again, in the beginning, it was sexual misconduct. So to kind of paraphrase it, he was asking women to have sex with him and touch his genitalia and do things for him. But the further that story comes down, then he becomes a rapist and a criminal. Like he wasn't rolling down the street in Texas and pulling women into his car and drugging them and bringing him and bringing them into some like crazy like dungeon. That's not what it was. So again, sometimes the story gets so far away from what the original charges are. I just want people to understand that again, this is misconduct and it was very inappropriate. But again, the judicial system said it was nothing in terms of violent crime. It didn't rise to the level of a crime. Right. Right. Um, so I, I would, if we could pivot a little bit about the NFL and their punishments, yep. uh, they, they also came down, the NFL came down really hard on the, um, on the Miami Dolphins. You think that was and, hard? Yes. So I, I think, think they, that they came they hard, them- came down hard on the organization. That was a that was a soft little hand tap to me for the owner, right? So, so the organization lost a first round and a third round draft pick, right? And uh, but the owner got suspended for six games. That doesn't do anything, right, to the team. They fine him one and a half million dollars for someone who's worth around eight billion dollars, who made yeah. three hundred million dollars last year. Last year. The team made three hundred million dollars. They fine him one and a half million dollars, right? That's almost no penalty for tampering. Right. That's, and, that's the integrity of the game. They literally were courting Tom Brady and they were courting um, the Saints uh, Sean Payton. coach, Sean Payton. They were basically forming this mastermind like to get Sean Payton and Tom Brady to all come down to Miami. And mind you, create- Sean, Brady, Sean Payton and Tom Brady share an agent. And, right. And, and so they were they both were active. Working- Right. Yeah. They're both active. They share an agent. They both had, they were both under contract and the Texans were trying to get them to quit or leave where they were to come to Not Miami. The, Texans, the, the Dolphins. I'm sorry, the, the, the Dolphins. Right. While the Dolphins had a coach in Brian Flores. And they were telling him to tank. They were telling him <laughs> to prioritize losing draft position AKA tank. over yeah. winning, tanking, which right. is he filed a class action lawsuit against the NFL right. for this type of behavior. Uh, so you would owner, think. To me, I think the fine would be worse than two draft picks. I think you would, I feel like if I'm the NFL, I would throw the book at a team so, that's literally found so, guilty of trying to cheat. I, I understand. So um, what, I, what I think in this case is because of Brian Flores, the NFL says that they actually didn't cheat, right? They, oh. they didn't tank. Um, he refused to tank, right? He refused to try not to win. They they, right. they fielded a team who tried to win all every game, um, and that's why uh, their penalty was what it was, is that they didn't actually tank, is that the owner asked them to, mm-hmm. right? And that's why I think that they relied on the owner with the $1.5 million fine for a guy who's worth $8 billion. That's a <laughs> drop in the bucket, right? He probably spends yeah. that on uh, on uh, – Jet fuel on private jet year. fuel in a month, yeah, <laughs> exactly. right. So, yeah. Um, so that's nothing to me. That's a slap on the wrist for the owner, but the organization, the people who actually still tried to win the football games, they lose a number one draft pick, right? Um, right. Some people might say that number one draft pick could, could be change your, could cha- 
right? It could be exactly Jamar Chase, you change right? Your, change your whole program. Absolutely. It could also be Jamarcus Russell, right? You don't know, right? This is not an exact science, right. but um, but that could be a significant impact, right? And also, um, I think that this gets lost in uh, professional sporting leagues when you take draft picks away from teams. Is that what you've done? Is you've taken opportunity to make it to the NFL away from two players, right? Now, mind you, if you do the math, right, it's the two worst players, right? Because all the draft positions slide up a slot. Right. So it's Mr. Irrelevant and the guy who picked before him are now not having a chance to get into the NFL. Maybe not in the first round, or as a drafter. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah. So if you if you lose one draft pick from the first round, right, then whoever would have been picked thirty third ends up being picked thirty second. Right, and so everyone just slides up one slot, and then yeah. at the in the end of the day, um, one guy doesn't get to have a have a career in the NFL, and the team who With doesn't the draft the player, yeah, right. So the yeah. team that doesn't draft the player, the Dolphins in this case, they just sign one more free agent, right, or one more guy yeah. from their practice squad, right? Like, right. So, like it's not really a punishment to them. That's, that's what I'm saying. Here. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, they, it's, a it's an opportunity loss, right? But it doesn't hurt them in the long, in the grand scheme of things. And, 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 and like, and to circle back about the precedent, like we were talking about earlier, it doesn't set a huge precedent for teams going forward. Because if they're like, oh, well, if that's all they did, we could do that too. As long as we just lose two draft picks, we're good. So they didn't would you like trade, crush them. Would you trade a first round draft pick one year and a third round draft pick the next year to have Tom Brady and Sean Payton on your team? Yes, so it was worth it. To, they're still going to the Super Bowl? Right, absolutely. That's my point. So it, it was absolutely yeah. worth it. All right, so would you pay $1.5 uh, million? You're about to pay the two of them $47 million, right, <laughs> to have them both on your staff. Like, get out of here with this nonsense that but, um, we've the, come down hard on them. But to your point, the Dolphins are so bad, they couldn't even tank right. Uh, but the, like, owner <laughs> the owner is such a poorly run organization, <laughs> he couldn't even get tanking right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Because like you said, the Brian Flores case could get ugly in court because we've been saying for years that black coaches haven't been getting their uh, opportunity and their due to coach at a high level, specifically in the NFL. So like you said, the fact that he saved them from a huger, from a bigger fine and still got fired lets you know like, he really got the raw end of a deal. Yeah. but And then the owner had the nerve to come out and say that this exonerates him and proves that he was innocent because they said he didn't tank, even though the report clearly says that he asked them to prioritize losing, right? That's the <laughs> literal definition of tanking is prioritizing losing, like losing. and yeah. draft position over winning, trying to winning. win a game. Well, they say, um, what is it? Owners and general managers tank, but players and coaches don't tank because they want to win to keep their job. They want to keep their, their kids in private yeah, school. Right, exactly. organizations tank, not players and coaches. Right, exactly. So, yeah, like you said, the NFL, what they want at least 12 or more games, and they want to find him money. And another caveat, a little wrinkle to this, is the fact that the Browns signed Deshaun Watson to a fully guaranteed contract, which was, what was it, $240 million or something around that? 230 point something. $230 million and the first year. So this is a high – <laughs> so for this idea that like, this guy who hasn't played in two years could have a fully guaranteed contract on right? the heels of all this while he was going through these cases, right? These cases were not, these cases were not all uh, settled at the time they gave him this contract. Yeah, no, this is in the middle go, of it. Go into the details you were about to explain. So the Browns said, we'll do you a solid. We're going to finesse the NFL. We're going to make your base salary your first year as a Brown 
one million dollars. So they're they're fining him little to nothing. Six games out of a one million dollar basically base deal is nothing because it's his salary jumps and thirty five thousand dollars, something to that effect. Yeah. And his three hundred thousand dollars. That's outrageous. <laughs> his that they yearly, would participate in setting up something like that to it's allow the him to circumvent punishment. Absolutely, yeah, it's, it's actively circumventing punishment um, in, in terms of financially. Absolutely, because his salary for the next year. Let's do a quick little bit of math right here. Three hundred thirty thousand dollars out of two hundred and thirty million dollars. Right, that's a good old. You ready for this? <laughs> Go ahead. It's point one four percent of his overall salary. Point one four percent. Right, yeah, not yeah. a, not, not even a, a one percent, not even a full, not yeah, not even a full percent <laughs> of his salary. That is again uh, despicable by the Cleveland Browns. Absolutely, because uh, they knew it was going to come. They, they, but were, they were like. They were trying was, to circumvent punishment for the behavior that we all agree is abhorrent. And they, and they, they did not want him to be punished for it. It's, it's and they also did that because they wanted him to choose Cleveland over other teams when he was demanding that trade. So he was like, look, we know you're going to get suspended or fined. We'll give you a fully guaranteed contract with a million dollars the first year. So you basically lose nothing. So he was like, done. Consider it done. Yeah. Next so, year, and they his salary said, goes up to like $40 million a year. Yeah. So they basically said, even if you get suspended this entire season. You're only losing a million bucks. You're, you're still going to get $229 million guaranteed. And that's more money than anyone's ever gotten guaranteed in a contract. <laughs> exactly. It's absolutely atrocious. I, I, the more and more I think about it, the more and more. Well, the it more and more ridiculous. I feel like the, yeah, the, the Cleveland Browns. Like the, there's a butt of a lot of jokes. The Browns are going to Browns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, and that's why the some of the other owners in the NFL didn't like that contract, and they're not fans of the Haslam family because they just do things kind of out the ordinary and clunky at times. It isn't really with uh, they're not really with the court of public appeal, and so it's it's weird. And also, just another caveat with this story: there's been some uh, Browns reporters. I, th- I think her name was Mary Kay is a caveat or the i'm sure you'll look it up the the main cleveland reporter she was saying that you know during this time in cleveland uh obviously deshaun has been taking uh all the snaps for the first rep for the first team reps at camp and every time after camp fans and kids have been asking him for autographs and taking pictures and everything so those fans at the Cleveland Browns camp are like, yo, Deshaun, we rocking with you. Can you sign a picture? Can you take a picture with us? So it really depends on who you ask about what they feel about Deshaun Watson. Because like you said, if you go to Twitter, Twitter's always outraged. And then if you go to the actual camp, people are like, yo, he's our quarterback. I'm going to rock with him. Because at the end of the day, they just want to win games. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw a video today, uh, highlights of him finishing practice. Um, he noticed some kids waiting for autographs. He went over and signed the autographs, right? The fans, they're not tied to these people personally, the victims or the player. They right. they just want their teams to win. They just want to win games. Like the late uh, Al Davis said, just win, baby. So we'll, we'll transition from Deshaun Watson to the baseball diamond. So the trade deadline just passed for Major League Baseball. And the biggest splash out of anybody was a small town team. I say small town because 
they're not in the top 10 of uh, the markets in America for population size. The San Diego Padres traded for Juan Soto. Who is Juan Soto, you might ask? Because I know some of our fans don't follow baseball. Who's, who's Juan Soto? He is one of the brightest upcoming talents in the game. He's an outfielder, and he was recently offered a 15-year, $440 million contract by the Washington Nationals. Soto and his agent turned it down because, you know, we don't really know that their reasoning, but I'll give you my reasoning in a second. But again, Juan Soto was headed to San Diego, which is a, a big splash. And they also traded for uh, Josh Hader, who is a uh, he's a closer, a great closer, a great closer for the Milwaukee Brewers. He's been throwing gas and he's got a great bowl of salad, bowl of salad. For those of you who don't know his hair. He's got really cool long locks and he throws gas. So San Diego basically said, we want to play with the big boys. We want to compete with the Dodgers and we're all in because they're adding Soto to the lineup with um, Hader as a closer. They traded one closer and upgraded uh, to to Hader as a closer. And they also have Manny Machado, who they signed um, after the Dodgers basically rented him for a year. And they also have that bad man, um, for Fernando Tatis Jr. So they have an amazing lineup, and it's going to be really interesting if a small market team can compete because in baseball, basically it's the haves and the have-nots. Whoever pays the most gets the most talent. So it was odd that a small market team kind of jumped the line and said, yo, Soto, come on, come on, play with us. We're going to trade a lot for you. And they traded a lot of their farm system and a lot of their prospects to get Soto because they want to make a push for the pennant this year. So what do you what do you think about that, Jay? Yeah. So uh, now they're sitting in second place in their division, fourth place in the league, and um, they're really they're really on uh, an aggressive track um, to try to overtake the Dodgers. I think they're twelve and a half games behind the Dodgers, uh, who are in first place, and so um, they're going to they start a, a series tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. they, they, they start the series tomorrow. Um, during this series, Tatis Jr. could return, right? You got Manny Machado. Yep. You got uh, Juan Soto now, who's been having a fantastic season, long, a fantastic career up to this point, right? You got Hater right. closing. You still got Hugh Darvish, who's leading the team in wins, um, who's playing great. So they've got pitching. They've got hitting. They've got uh, position play. Uh, they're, they're going all in. Um, and like, so Hader, I think so has two years left on his contract. Right. So they don't even, um, Soto, they're going to offer him all of the money, um, right. you know, that the raise you, 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 you have a certain amount of risk by, by doing what you're doing. Right. Similar to the late, uh, the Dodgers last year who traded for Serger, uh, uh, Max Scherzer. Max right. Scherzer. Yeah. Why don't, too, uh, it's late at night. It's hard. I can't get that one out tonight. But, um, <laughs> you, you 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 go you know deep in the playoffs with him, uh, and you win or you don't win. But, and then he uh, could be like, "I'm he, out." He, he can choose to leave. Yeah, and so they're going to be in that position with Soto. Um, they had to know. Um, you would think that you would think that him and his agent gave them a gentleman's agreement, like we'll sign a long term deal if you offer it based on these numbers. But you never know because they could change their mind. And again, the Washington Nationals offered him. 15 years, $440 million. Jason, if you were Juan Soto, would you have signed that contract? They could have offered me 
45 years, $415 million, and I would have taken it. <laughs> so more years and less money, you would have been in. Right. So this is the thing with sports, right? <laughs> uh, the bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. If he right. tears his ACL running bases next week, <laughs> no one's going to give him half a billion dollars. Correct. It, it, that's just the the nature of the beast. And so you kind of got to take the money when you can. But I, I believe that um, now that the Padres have them, they can start negotiating for and a contract extension. Yeah. Um, and so another thing, I think we would be remiss if we didn't say that multiple teams were in on it, including the Dodgers. Right. And part of this um, massive deal by the, the Padres is um, they're in our division. They're 12 and a half games away from us. We cannot let them pull away. We have to jump in and get this player to keep, the Dodgers at bay because we expect to have to go through them during the playoffs. Right. We can't let them be ahead of, like you said, of us by like 15 games and add him. So it's like an arms race. Like we got to, we got to do it as much as we can to, to keep this, this beast of a, of a baseball player away from the Dodgers while also getting better. So they kind of kill two birds and one stone. But like you said, I, I think that that might be a thing of the past. Uh, the bird, I say it again. I don't want to destroy it. Uh, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. <laughs> My dad says that a lot. Uh, I, I, I feel like it's relevant in football because the, the likelihood of him having some catastrophic injury in baseball is really, really rare. Like I've heard of uh, – I know the, the Braves had a star who tore his ACL like in the outfield diving for a ball like last year or the year before that. But now with our medical technology, I feel like you can come back from just about anything. So unless he had some catastrophic weird injury, I think he would probably still command that type of money. But like you said, um, there's always that there's always that that one percent that that what if because like you said, what if he what if um, what's the quarterback for the Washington uh, football team at the time when he, uh, Robert Griffin III? No, no, Alex Smith. Oh, Alex if Smith. Alex, yes. If Alex Smith was playing on the final year of a deal, going into a new year because he wanted more money and less years or whatever. And he had that crazy injury in his pocket, in the pocket. Who knows what his life would have been like after. But like you said, he took that money up front, took the guaranteed money, and he, he's good to go forever. But in this, in, this, in this instance, that's a lot of money to turn down. But I think he turned it down because in baseball, it doesn't seem like the, the Nationals kind of had a fire sale. They, had, they won the, the World Series a few years ago. And they've basically done away with all their older talent. They've they've shipped it out because they're trying to rebuild by shipping out their talent and bringing in new young talent. Prospects. Which, this is this is right. something that the NFL doesn't do, right? Which maybe you know owners should consider, right? Like they, the NFL wins the Super Bowl, then they start trying to pay their quarterback as much as they possibly can. <laughs> they pay and everybody. They kind of go down there. So this they're doing the opposite, right? Yeah. They won. They won the Super Bowl. They won the the pennant, and then you let everyone go and try to keep your payroll down and build back up again by getting good prospects. Right. Exactly. So I think that, like you said, they're using uh, the fact that he's playing at such a high level right now to get a bunch of stuff in return, because if you pay him, yeah, you're going to have him for 15 years, but you're going to pay him almost like you said, a half a billion dollars and you're going to be bad because one person is not that impactful in baseball unless his name is Sh Shohei Otani cuz he's not a pitcher and he's not you know he's not going to have 50 right. home not, runs he's not playing both sides of the ball um, exactly it, you you wind up with and you said this off air um and and it's been i've been it's been stuck with me the whole show um 
you wind up with a contract like the Angels had with um, Albert Pujols or Mike Trout. Pujols, Depends on right? who you want to name. <laughs> so the, Mike, the, the Albert Pujols, Pujols contract was great when he was in his prime, which is when he signed it. But <laughs> exactly. then at the tail end of that long deal, they're like, we're paying a lot of money for a player who like is a designated hitter. Yes. Yeah, he can't. Uh, he's not fielding. He's just he's only swinging, and he's old. Because, like you said, who knows what this kid's going to look like fourteen years from now? Like we don't know what we're eating for dinner tomorrow. I don't know what a baseball player is going to look like a decade plus four years from now. Yeah, I think that the difference is Soto was a lot younger than Pujols. That was his second deal, right? True. Um, true. He, he but again, the second deal. Again, even if you take Albert Pujols out of the equation, look at the Angels and Mike Trout. They're paying Mike Trout all this money, and they're awful. They can't win a game to save their life, and they've been. Paying oh no, that's him. that's something else. That that's that's something different. It, I don't know what's. I don't know what is wrong. I don't know what. I don't know what is wrong with the Angels. It, there's. I don't. I don't even want to consider them. They're, they're, the 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 talent that they have accumulated is they have two of you could argue and, and I think two of the best argument, players ever two two of the best four players on their team but yeah two of the best players ever two of and the best four awful. current players and they cannot win a game and they had Joe Madden as their umpire uh, umpire as their manager who won a World Series with the uh, uh, Chicago Cubs but they just can't figure it out they had that tragic episode where the team is getting sued because remember was the pitcher the overdose and died it was just it's yeah. been just traumatic up and yeah, down that, and yeah just, a, there's just so much going on in, in anaheim and as good and as i Mike don't care what you say it's anaheim it's not the los, the los angeles <laughs> angels of anaheim there's no one north of anaheim in la county cheering this, for the angels <laughs> <laughs> but is that's my point. As good as like, and Keyshawn Johnson says this all the time. I don't want to hear about Mike Trout being this and that because they stink. What has he done for me? How many games has he won? No, that this that sport that so that he's wrong. There's a, there's sports. I don't know. There are sports where one player can change your fortunes. In Correct. basketball, if you have the best player in the league, you have a chance to win a championship every year. That's his uh, point. That's his it, point. In football, right? You, you, you play your quarterback. quarterback he makes everything right. If you have Aaron Donald, you're better than the other team. But in baseball, unless he's Shohei, don't have the same impact on the game. That's his Not point. Shohei, right? They're yeah, incredible. exactly. He's, you can he's recognize that a player is great and yeah. understand that greatness in individual individual greatness in baseball. To your point, yes, it doesn't translate to wins. And, and I'm that's not going to. That's his point. So why pay Mike Trout $400 million if he's not going to really impact winning? Because so. We, so I'm, I'm, finding, I'm finding myself on the opposite, of the opposite end of the argument we always make, right? That's Mike Trout's market value. Okay, it's his market value, but who's the fool for paying him? You are the next guy if you're still not going to win. No, so no matter what team he's on, that's how much money he's going to make. So Mike Trout won, but as the owner or the person writing the checks, the mozzarella for the Angels, did you really help us get better? They don't care because baseball <laughs> still 
still and its rapid decline that it's in still makes ridiculous amount of money. The Nationals offered $440 million to Soto. Like they don't care. They're the money to them it might as well That's come out point. of a Milton Bradley Monopoly box. They don't care. They have That's all true. the money. It, it, it's true because baseball comes on TV more than half of the year. What, how, was it 120? 162 games. 162, and there's 365. So, yeah. So, they're on TV just about every other night of the year in their local market. So it's literally or twice on some days. Yeah. So it's literally a live television show for almost half the year in your market. And it's long and it has a lot of commercials. commercials. So you make all your money back in advertising. Again, that's why a team like the Arizona Diamondbacks who nobody watches outside of Flagstaff, Arizona, and maybe Phoenix can sign a billion dollar deal with Fox sports Rocky Mountains or whatever it is because they generate so much money in advertising because they're on TV so much. And then you couple that with the people who come to the park and pay tickets and pay pricing and memorabilia and the overpriced food and drinks. So I guess it all equals out. But again, if you're so they've talking... Been paying, uh, Mike Trout, I just want to give you some numbers here. They've been paying Mike Trout this deal, right? In 2017, the Angels were worth <laughs> $1.7 billion. In 18, $1.8 billion. and $1.9 billion. Then $1.975 billion. Now they're worth $2.2 billion. <laughs> like they, the, they could pay them as much as they want. Their value only goes up. Uh, if you if you can invest in owning a baseball game, like if you have $2 billion, <laughs> you drop a billion and I drop a billion, we could buy the Angels. And next year we'll have made 10% profit on our money. Regardless if we're bad, good, who we pay. We could be awful. Just we don't have being to alive. Just by being there, we'll make money. So to your point, it doesn't matter who they pay or what they pay them because they're going to make money. But so I guess the, I guess those two things are separate. Make, does it is it a good investment to pay him because does he doesn't hold on hold on the stats just keep coming. The <laughs> Angels make a hundred million dollars a year uh, at their stadium. That's half the games, eighty two games. They make a hundred million dollars a year and they don't pay the city anything. Uh, yeah, wow. there's money to go around, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess to your point, paying these players, I guess we're proving both of our points, paying these players does not directly impact winning in terms of an individual basis, but it doesn't matter because the owners are making money hand over fist to your point. Right. Ha- having Trout makes money, right? He sells bobbleheads and, and jerseys. and But he's not selling out uh, Anaheim. They're not lining up in Anaheim in droves to watch him play. A year. They make $100 million a year at their stadium. But I, I just I feel learned like that those same people be, I think those people would watch the Angels play if Mike, Trout, if Mike Trout moved to South Korea tomorrow. They'd still go watch the Angels. I don't think he is making that much of an impact on their eyeballs. It's hard to judge, right? Um, I, I You're probably right, right? Because you're not coming in. Because you're not getting the, the, the thrill of winning. Uh, it's yeah. very interesting. I, You know, the Dodgers do win, right? Yeah, they um, pay big money, but they win. Their, they sell out. net worth up against. Uh, but the Dodgers, I'm sure they gross way more money because they have they, they charge more for tickets. They have, an, they have a, a more expensive TV deal. And they sell out games. So they're making way more money by putting out a winning TV. Product. 
Yeah, it depends on who you ask. I can't, I can't, I can't, can't talk about the Dodgers without talking about the fact that you can't watch their games on TV. Same thing uh, with the Lakers. So Dodgers <laughs> worth $4 billion. Right. So, yeah, so they're worth twice as much. That's right. my so point. Winning, so winning does matter. Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. exactly. But, but being there also doesn't hurt. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we'll transition from one losing franchise to one winning franchise. We're going to go from the Angels to the Los Angeles Rams, your favorite team. You're, in the you're land. trying to address them as the current NFL, the world champions. champions. <laughs> yes. So the world champion Los Angeles Rams, uh, their quarterback Matt Stafford is dealing with an elbow injury. And get, Jay, I'll let you go ahead and take this one because I know you love your beloved Rams at SoFi. So what you got with the Rams, brother? Yeah, so Matt Stafford, this is very interesting, right? Because there was <laughs> drama last year uh, during the season about him throwing all those interceptions and people saying he couldn't push the ball downfield, like so much so that uh, Deshaun Jackson said, I'm out of here. I'm too fast for this guy's arm, right? He can't get me the football. I'd rather go to Oakland. <laughs> I feel like there's some shade. Was, is that shade from Matt Stafford? I don't think that I said anything that wasn't a fact. Uh <laughs> That was that was all factual, right? Did Deshaun Waxon say I need to get out of here because he can't give me the ball? And he did. did he throw? Did he lead the league in interceptions? See, I feel like did, did he underthrow a lot of footballs? <laughs> I mean, those are things that actually happen. Um, but on the flip side, he won the Super Bowl and threw <laughs> exactly. a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. So um, he had but, you pulling out your hair, but at the end of the day, all is well because he won the Super Bowl. Right, but he there was drama around whether or not his arm was healthy, right. um, and he said at one point. Uh, halfway through the season, stop talking about my arm. I'm fine. Well, right. turns out he was not fine or is not fine. Uh, he's been suffering uh, with pain in his in his in the elbow of his throwing elbow, arm. right? Uh, yeah. Yes. They they had a procedure uh, earlier this year to try to get mm-hmm. I think some of the swelling out and to help him with recovery. Uh, the the training staff has kind of changed their approach on his workload, and right. um, usually, you know, NFL coaches like to come out and say everything's fine. fine, Everything is is all good, baby. Nothing to see here. Keep it moving. Now, McVay is not doing that. McVay is saying uh, that there's a process, that he is feeling pain in his elbow. He has said, and I quote, "Um, this is abnormal pain for a quarterback. So this is a normal, you know, soreness that quarterbacks get in their arms from throwing. Uh, He's saying this is abnormal pain for a quarterback. He's saying that if it were push come to shove where we needed him to play a game, he could play through the pain. But right now they're trying to manage it and help his recovery. Um, That's going to be huge for the Rams who um, have to play their division this year, which includes uh, the 49ers. Uh, It includes uh, Arizona. And uh, and we don't know exactly how good of a team Seattle is going to be. But they also play the AFC West this year. And so they're going to have to see – those Raiders, the Kansas City Chiefs, um, they're going to have to play. Last name, Russell Wilson. Yes, exactly. You knew exactly where I was going. <laughs> and the L.A. Chargers, who uh, who reside in their own stadium, right? Those are four tough games that I wouldn't automatically give the chance to win, um, especially with an injured Stafford or an absent Stafford um, who does not have a big name or even a well-known backup um, sitting behind Wait, him ready to play. You said you said the Chargers reside in the Rams stadium. Yeah, is that is that shade or is that accurate? So you're saying no, no, it's accurate. So Stan Kroenke built the stadium and he leases it to the 
Chargers. That no shade. They just <laughs> they actually they actually use the stadium that the Charger owner built. So it was like the Clippers playing at yes. Staples. Yeah, yeah. So like we say, you live in their house. Like no, no shade. You literally live in the house that they built and they let you live there. Like they, they, they live there like my kids live here, right? It's just, <laughs> it is what it is. It's a fact of a matter. Yeah. And let me. I just want to circle back because I, I messed up her name. Her name is uh, the Cleveland Browns beat reporter. Her name is Mary Kay Cabinet. She's always on Colin Cowherd. I wanted to show her her due. She's always uh, got the pulse on the Cleveland Browns. So she was the one who said the fans were, you know, showing showing Deshaun Watson some love. But again, back to the Rams. I just want you to put some respect on Matthew Stafford's name. That's the whole point of me bringing Super this Bowl story champion up. Matthew Stafford. <laughs> Exactly. He went well, from the, the cellar to the penthouse. But he also went from the worst team in the NFL to the best team in the NFL. All he had to do was change teams, and baby, I'm a world champion. To his defense, he feels like if I was in L.A. for the last five years, I might have five rings. You never know. I'm not, I'm, I'm that popping. So the, I just need some help around. I just, I just need some talent. I had all this talent. Look what happens when you bring people who can play around me. Good things happen. So I take you to the promised land. <laughs> the Rams lose to, to to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl. Right? The same team he beat Tom and then, Brady, and then they at come Tom Brady's crib. Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay. Is, <laughs> gotcha. The Rams come back and then lose in the playoffs. And Matt Golfer, Matt uh, Jared Goff was Jared playing Goff. with open stitches on his arm, throwing him because <laughs> yeah. he had to have surgery after he banged his thumb earlier in uh, at the end of the season on a helmet. And then right? they, they yeah on a helmet, yeah. and then they bring in. Stafford, and then he wins. They go to the Super Bowl and uh, win um, with Aaron Donald playing spectacularly, and uh, and and Cooper Cup being the Triple Crown winner and Super Bowl MVP, and um, not to mention Odell Buck- Beckham, who was on his way to Super Bowl MVP exactly. before he got injured, and yep. uh, and you know they have uh, studs at every position and a great corner and all these things. And they win, and now Matthew Stafford is a Super Bowl champion. Is this different than <laughs> Kevin Durant joining the Warriors and then winning a championship? The championship does he um, is he any better than he was before he went to this team that was already in the finals without him? Or is it yes? Uh, if you add me to a Super Bowl caliber team, then I can win a championship. I like I like what you did there. Uh, that you kind of pulled that one on the left field. We I haven't heard this argument before, so that was good. You, <laughs> I like that. Let's let it process. Yeah, but so on that same token, you're comparing Matthew Stafford to Kevin Durant. So are you saying that Matthew Stafford is a first ballot Hall of Famer who wins everywhere he goes and puts teams over the top? Does does wait? Hang on. Does, does, uh, does he win everywhere he goes? Does, does Kevin Durant win everywhere he goes? Well, I mean, Ted, well, he was a winner. He went to the there's finals. A lot of, there's a lot of us in there. Uh, <laughs> well, he went to the he, finals with OKC. That was like 15 years ago. I, I'm just saying he went to the finals with, with OKC. He was a proverbial playoff contender. He was always in the mix uh, in Oklahoma City. And then he decided to join the Warriors and won two out of three championships, right? And if his leg didn't go pow, he would have won three out of three, right? And he would have had probably three. So, so before the Warriors – he was losing in the playoffs, blowing the three one lead, joins the Warriors and then makes it to the finals a couple of times, leaves the Warriors and 
loses in the second round and gets swept. Right. Now, individual greatness, not what's saying he is great. But <laughs> like when you say NBA champion Kevin Durant, right? But then you put in context that his championship was with the Warriors who had won 73 games the year before and the championship the year before that and had lost in the finals in game seven. And then they sign him and he becomes a champion. Um, I believe that that's, there's a good correlation between Matt Stafford. Everyone agreed that Matt Stafford was great. He was great in college and he was a great player when he had talent around right. Megatron. They were a great duo, but the right. organization was bad. He joins right. the Rams though. He didn't join the Rams team that was bad and struggling and elevate them. He joined the Rams team that was a season removed from the Super Bowl and making it to the playoffs. But he's also, he's not some, some slot corner or some right guard. He's the quarterback. He is like the most important person on the field. He touches the ball every single snap on offense. He's a decision maker. He's your coach. He distributes the ball. You're saying he everything won. I said about Jared Goff when he went to the Super Bowl, and you were like, they got to get him out of there. <laughs> That's all. I was like, he's a, he's a quarterback of the Super Bowl team. <laughs> what do you want him to do? Hey, all I know, I, 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 uh, I'll listen to Coach McVay on this one. Clearly, he knew something more than we did when he got Goff out of there and brought Stafford in, and boom, goes the dynamite, now they're Super Bowl champions. He also, right? same offseason, he's also <laughs> expressed regret for the way that he did that. For how it happened, right. He definitely, yeah, he kind of, because I don't think, I think he, in his eyes, he probably wasn't as truthful and as honest with golf as with he was. Golf, about, and he kind of threw him under the bus, right? Right. But at the same time, hey, all this, all, hey, sometimes it gets dirty behind those, behind those, uh, those curtains when stuff needs to get done. Fair is a upgrade. place where they, fair is a place where they judge pigs and serve, what was it? Funnel cakes? Funnel cakes. <laughs> yeah, baby. And <laughs> so, and those big old crazy pieces of meat that you wouldn't see anywhere else in the world. <laughs> Deep fried Twinkies. OC fair is going on right now. We might have to try to get some tickets. We need to. <laughs> exactly. We need to go do a show from there, interview some fans, uh, a set up a booth. <laughs> but yeah, um, I just want you to put some respect on Matthew Stafford's name because he's coming he's, for his title. He's a really good player. He is he great? He's a Super Bowl winning. Is great, he going to go to the Hall of Fame? He, he is not going to go to the Hall of Fame unless he makes it to the Super Bowl another couple of times. Couple um, of times? So multiple? More than two? Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, he I mean he won like his first playoff game like last year. So he's been in the league for like. 12 years? So so he has as many Super Bowl wins as uh, Aaron Rodgers. Who I know, am notorious for saying is overrated, <laughs> right? Okay, so okay. If, well, if, you were, a- if you were picking quarterbacks today and they were all, all the active quarterbacks were 100% healthy, how many quarterbacks would you get to before you pick Matt Stafford? Uh, <laughs> maybe five or six. I think five he's – He's the top end of the second tier. He says that you put him in the top third of the league. Yeah. He's not like he's so not who are so middle. let's let's name some of these quarters. We have a few minutes. Let's name some of these quarterbacks. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna assume you're gonna put Tom, Tom Brady, Brady and Aaron Rodgers ahead of him. Oh Holmes. I don't know about Aaron Rodgers. Okay, then don't put Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's your list. I got you're I got Tom Pat Brady ahead homeboy. Of him. Yeah, homeboy. Yeah, Patrick boy. <laughs> I got uh I mean, hey, I feel like I'm putting my guy in Baltimore. 
crazy legs. Lamar Jackson. You put Lamar Jackson ahead of him? I'm putting Lamar Jackson ahead of him. We said Tom Brady already, right? Yeah. I don't know about Joe Cool. Joe Cool needs to do it another year before I can put him he ahead went to of him. He went to this. He took a bad team. He was absent. Uh, I, it's your list. I'm not even going to – we're going to say this for another day. It's your list. You're not going to put Joe Burrow on there. Are you putting Justin Herbert on there? No, because he didn't make the playoffs. And you know Justin Herbert is one of my favorite players to root for. He's he's my dark horse for the MVP, but he Again, didn't make right. it to the playoffs. I, so I love what you're doing here, right? So I can't put he, Justin he Herbert ahead of Justin Matthew Stafford. Justin Rivers can't go ahead of Matthew Stafford because he didn't make the playoffs last year, and he didn't make the playoffs because his coach was making terrible decisions the last two games of the season. <laughs> exactly. Yet, right? Two years right. ago, Matt Stafford wasn't making the playoffs. <laughs> But he comes to a team with a great coach, and now you want him to be in the top six players in the league. You, this is this is what's so fun about sports, right? You can throw logic right right out the window. You don't need logic. I mean, who it? else would you put in front of? Oh, maybe Russell. Oh, so, last so name Burrow, Wilson. last name Russell, and Justin Herbert, right? I take the three of them ahead of him. Um, I probably take Aaron Rodgers ahead of. I yes, not probably. I take Aaron Rodgers ahead of him. Based on what? Based on everything, like you, your argument was making the playoffs. Marion Rodgers might not win in the playoffs, but he definitely makes it. He'll make more than compared he, to Stafford. We're comparing to Stafford. But he now. also had a better. He also had a better team. He also had a better run organization. And like you said, he's. I guess you could say he's more talented. But I mean, if if it was a fifth, and if a dog had a square butted poop bricks, who knows if Aaron Rodgers was drafted by the Detroit Lions and Matthew Stafford was drafted by the Green Bay Packers, how different would their lives and their careers be? I think that you're having this Tracy McGrady, Kobe Bryant argument. Absolutely. Because T Mac was a bad man. He was, but I think that in the end <laughs> right it is what it is. Sure, yeah. So he would have had a he would have we, we used to talk about this, you know, decades ago, right? <laughs> right. You know, if 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 they were because they were such similar players, <laughs> if they were drafted uh in opposite situations, I think that what we learn from talking to other NBA players and coaches and everybody is that some people Cut can take their talent to another level. Right. Yeah, and that in every yeah. in the situation he was in, he was going to, to take that to another level. And I think that Aaron Rodgers, um, in any situation was going to probably going to be great. Um, probably greater sooner. Cause he wouldn't have sat for so long behind Brett Favre. If he went to a bad team who didn't have a hall of fame quarterback, uh, playing in his close to his prime, he probably would have got in earlier, but um, that's all, that. That doesn't mean it would have been better because sometimes you get in too early and the game is too fast and you get your head knocked off and you turn into uh, Aaron Car- uh, Derek Carr's older brother. So it, it can go both ways. He doesn't sometimes have any you get more. No, he's Derek Carr's older brother. Oh, uh, I, I I drew a blank, so I didn't. I couldn't think. <laughs> what um, uh, what is Derek Carr's older brother? I'm gonna let you let you wallow in it for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> it starts with well, a you, you, there, there, not wait, uh, David wait. Carr. <laughs> David Carr. Yeah. So yes. to your point, David Carr got thrown into the lion's den, was running for his life, and basically got knocked out of the league because he was with a poor franchise. So it can go either way. You can sit. You can mature. You can understand the speed of the game. You can understand defensive concepts and hit the ground running like Aaron Rodgers did in New England. I'm sorry, in Green Bay. Or – you can you can go the other way. It could be like um, David Carr, and you're running for your life, and you basically get knocked out of the league. And some people say 
the fact that David Carr got knocked around so much, it's made Derek Carr, his younger brother, gun shy for the Oakland Raiders, who are now the Los Angeles Raiders. So there's so many. I said Los Angeles. Yeah, they've been just about every Raiders. They've been Oakland Los Angeles, to Los Angeles, Oakland. Oakland to Vegas. Yeah, next so week now the Vegas be, Raiders. Yeah, the Utah Raiders. Who knows? So <laughs> I, I, I would love like, on our next show maybe we can get into this a little more. So I think another good example is Peyton Manning, who got thrown to the Wolves. Was great in college. Got thrown to the Wolves. Was horrible on a horrible team. But he was like, "No, I'm great. Great. Watch me elevate this team and become one yeah. of the greatest quarterbacks ever." And um, I think he had the most interceptions ever in like his rookie year or something like that. He had like ten picks. It was something. He did crazy. I think have that record, and then still I think his brother took but it. But that him. was also a different time, because if if he was drafted today and threw ten picks and it was horrible, he might get replaced and cut. But back then you had more leash. Like back then when when uh, Peyton Manning was a rookie quarterback, and he started fresh out the gate they gave you you three expect or four years. your rookies to be bad yeah yeah now it's like no no we got these passing camps we got, we're taking the same concepts that they're running in college we want you to hit the ground running kid like they're talking about throwing two out the league if he's not shining he's been in the league I'm for sorry, like five they, minutes they threw jimmy garoppolo out of san francisco or planning to throw him out and trey lance <laughs> couldn't even start last year right but they're exactly. like no trey lance we only got one year you got to start now so we know where the keys not take you out yeah <laughs> exactly so jordan like love said, right jordan love didn't start behind aaron Rodgers. aaron Rodgers, and he's a bust <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's how it goes nowadays it's well, you're crazy. not better than aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you got to get out of here. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. The timeline that they give these these young men to sink or swim is absolutely ridiculous now. But time is money, and again, some of the some of the success of their counterparts has almost made the the, the um, evaluation period almost unrealistic because you have some people hitting the ground running, like a Lamar Jackson, who's you know one of the most athletic quarterbacks ever, and then you're like, well, Lamar did it, you need to do it too. It's like, well, I'm not Lamar Jackson. Come on now. (laughs) But anyways, that was a long show. We appreciate it. You guys, uh, we won't charge you for the extra 30 minutes. (laughs) We hope you enjoy. You stuck around. We appreciate your attention. Attention. This is, again, a long show. J&J Radio, Jonathan Harper, along with my co-pilot, Jason Gibbons. We're at about the 110 mark. So, again, we really appreciate you guys sticking sticking it out and listening to this show. Uh, Next time, we'll try to get back closer to our normal 30 minutes so you're Uh, in and out on your way to work, on your way from work or at the gym, wherever you listen to us. But again, please tell all your friends and family uh, to subscribe to J&J Radio, wherever they're at, because we want to get as many sponsorship dollars as we can. I want to be talking about mattresses and hair care products and blemish creams. If you got a product, Jonathan Harper will sell it on J&J Radio. So just let us know, baby. (laughs) Show me the money. All right. Uh, Find us us on jjradio.com. Absolutely. You want to take us out, Jay? Other than that, you're good? No, we're good. Uh, NFL season had the Hall of Fame game, so the season is officially started with preseason. Um, So we're right around the corner. And uh, one other thing to add to that, for those of you who are college football fans, you should indeed watch preseason because some of your some of the players that you followed in college, this might be the last time that you ever see them playing football because a lot of people who are playing in preseason, they're going to unfortunately get released and there's no NFL Europe 
they might pop up in one of those spring, you know, leagues. There's that we so have many now. other leagues now. There's yeah. XFL and and ASL. But some of that there, stuff doesn't even get covered. Like, uh, they don't really get true attention on ESPN and Fox Sports. So, I say uh, follow your guys, root them on, uh, and really show them some love in the preseason because That's it's so hard important. to make an active NFL roster, man. It's really, really hard. So, wishing the best of luck. I hope everybody's healthy. And uh, until next time, J and J Radio, we out.